Shine your light on us, Heavenly Father, that we might take that light and shine it on those living in darkness. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My favorite epiphany cartoon was uh, there were four wise men at the stable door. And there's an angel at the stable door turning away the first wise men. And the caption was, an angel turns a wise man who, whose gift was fruitcake. <laughs> so today we celebrate the epiphany. And remember the three wise men. We're going to come to them in a minute. Epiphany really is in the church calendar unparalleled for its focus on light. On the light of God. So the light, epiphany actually means to shine upon. The theme of light is a major theme, of course, in the Bible. It begins in verse 2 saying there's darkness over the face of the deep. And in verse 4, God said, let there be light. Jesus, at the pinnacle of the history or the story of God, uh, declares that he is the light of the world. And it ends with the picture of heaven where there's no need of a sun because God himself will be their light. God himself will shine with splendor and glory for all. In the Christmas cycle, that is Advent leading up to Christmas and the 12 days of Christmas and Epiphany flowing out of Christmas is really all about light. Advent, as we light the candles gradually, the growing light coming into the darkness. Then in Jesus, the light comes in, the life of men. And then Epiphany is meant to remind us that that light is meant to be shared. It's not just for us, but God had a purpose to bless all the world. And so we celebrate the wonderful truth that the light shining so bright for us at Christmas indeed shines for all the world. Represented by the wise men from the East who recognized in the star at its rising something of profound significance. And you have to wonder what Mary felt as these three wise but weird and wonderful men showed up at her stable door. So what can we learn from the wise men? I'm going to suggest an A, B, C. So A, for attentive. I like the fact that they were attending to God's world. Just like the Jewish people were attentive to God's word and studied it diligently, uh, as in the story, Herod calls the chief priests and scribes, and they had an answer for him because they were very attentive to God's word. So the Gentiles demonstrate themselves to be attentive to God's world, that they saw in God's creation a way that God communicated with his people. And so they were attentive. And one dark night they went out and saw something in the heavens that caught their attention and they needed to do something about it. Are you attentive to what God is doing in our midst? Or like me, are you so easily distracted uh, by what's urgent the day by day? Put your hand up if you made a New Year's resolution to spend less time on Facebook. <laughs> I certainly did. Social media threatens to gobble up all of our time and attention. And of course, to celebrate the light assumes that we're aware of the darkness. There is darkness in our world and in our souls. There's a spiritual darkness of sin and guilt, whether it be sin that we've committed or sin that's been committed against us. 
There's a darkness when you feel alienated from God, a barrier. There's the darkness of the ego, self-absorbed. The darkness of indifference to the sufferings of others, the darkness of fear of others, or the darkness of pride. Lots of darkness in our world. And why we come to church is to remind ourselves that the light is stronger. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And even in our prophetic reading from Isaiah today, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples. And of course, the worst kind of darkness is the darkness you don't know is dark. When you assume that you're walking in the light and have no need of further light, and we get used to the darkness. Walking in darkness when you think it's light, when you sh assume you have all the light you need. Do you know, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Woody Allen's movies. Do you know Crimes and Misdemeanors? It's, uh, this wonderful juxtaposition in the story, Judah is a wealthy and successful ophthalmologist. And uh, he gets caught up in a financial scam with an affair and ends up in being involved in murder. This increasing moral darkness threatens to overwhelm him. But he continues his practice as an ophthalmologist, and one of his patients is a ra rabbi who's going blind. He's going physically blind, but very attentive to what's morally right and wrong and what's light. And it's, it's fascinating to see this physical darkness confronting a spiritual darkness. But it's when the, darkest, when the night is darkest that the light shines most brightly. Uh, we used to play a game in our youth group called Grog, and uh, we, you had to play it in a completely dark room, and kids would just be crawling around, and one would be secretly tapped as the Grog. And all he had to do to kill the others was to crawl up quietly to them and whisper, I'm the Grog, you're dead, and they had to be dead. Now, the only way you could kill the grog was to find the pieces of the disassembled flashlight which had been spread around the room. And so the kids had to go around and feel around and try to get the, and ask, do you have the other piece? Do you have the batteries? And they put this together and shine the light on the grog before he got them all. It was a wonderful game and a reminder of us. Are we using the light? Are we getting along with one another so our light shines more brightly and not so distracted. God's light has come to dispel the darkness. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he also said, you are the light of the world. And that we don't light our candle and put it under a basket. That is, we don't just believe the things of the Christian faith and do nothing about them. But rather that we let it shine. There's many uh, situations of darkness that need the light of Christ, love and forgiveness to stand up to injustice. And so that's A, they were attentive. B, they were brave. The wise men committed themselves to follow that star wherever it may lead them. It seems to have been a long journey. They did not shrink from the arduous task of crossing the hot, dry desert. They did not quail from the prospect of conflict when they showed up in Jerusalem. And I'm sure the reputation of King Herod preceded him. And they said to King Herod, well, where's the new king? 
course, King Herod was a, um, a vicious, brutal leader. I won't go into that. But they were willing to brave the fury of Herod, even though it was hidden behind his deceit. And also are we brave to bring the light of Christ into our, the dark recesses of our heart and soul. By coming into Jerusalem and confronting King Herod, they revealed a great contrast between a false king who led by terror and deceit and the true king born in the stable who would rule in love and grace and come to shepherd his people. The baby lying in a borrowed stable is rightfully named the king of the Jews. And that phrase will not be used again in Matthew until Jesus hangs on the cross and it's nailed there as an accusation the king of the Jews. So we are called to be brave as we embark on an interior journey to bring the light to our lives so that we might share it with others. Traveling across borders and boundaries and seeking to shine God's life, light in the arena of life. And see they came. It's a lovely phrase in the gospel reading. The star stopped when it came to where the child was. And that's what we've done this morning, in a sense. We've come to where the child is. Of course, God is everywhere in the world today. But when we gather together, Jesus says he's here in a special way, where two or three are gathered. There am I in the midst of them. And so we come week by week. And it's very countercultural to show up at church. Most people don't. Most members of the Episcopal Church don't bother. They might come at Christmas and Easter. Do you know that? Do you know the joke about the fellow who comes to church and he says, uh, he says, uh, you know, I, only, I really enjoyed the service to, this morning. I only have one complaint. You guys always have the same flowers. Every time I come, it's poinsettias. <laughs> and what happened when they came? This beautiful picture, they were overwhelmed with joy. Do you feel God's joy in your heart? They knelt down in worship, acknowledging the greatness and glory and grace of God. And that he showers his love upon us, unworthy as we are. We've all made mistakes this week. And yet he's here for us and loves us. They knelt in worship. And then they opened their chests and offered gifts. And we too come and offer our gifts when we come and gather, we should know joy, we should know worship, and we should know uh, sacrifice to give the best of our hearts. What did they expect when they came to the royal nursery of the newborn king? Do you know C.S. Lewis's book, The Last Battle, one of the last scenes? There's a conflict going on and there's a stable, and it turns out the stable is actually the gateway into heaven. And Tyrion says, it seems then, smiling himself, that the stable seen from within and the stable seen from without are two different places. Yes, said Lord Diggory, its inside is bigger than its outside. Yes, said Queen Lucy, in our world too, a stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. So we too have come this morning, gathering around God's table, at 9 o'clock, we gathered around the baptismal font as somebody came to be baptized. And they were given a baptismal candle. 
And I want you to remember that when you were baptized, you also received a baptismal candle, a symbol that we're to carry that light with us, to go forth with the light, to show grace and mercy, forgiveness, to stand up for justice. And then finally, they said they departed. So now we have a D, A, B, C, and D. Attentive, brave, they came, but they departed. They departed a different way. And I wonder if it also meant that not only did they take a different route or route, however you say it. How do you say that, America? <laughs> not only did they take a different route, but that hopefully they were changed. They'd been transformed in their soul. And two, when us, the expectation is that when you come, even though it's kind of the same service we do every Sunday, that you will be changed on the inside with a fresh appreciation of God's grace and his light, a fresh awareness of the darkness outside that we are called to enter into, confident that the darkness will not overwhelm us, but that the light will continue to shine. Will you welcome God to shine in your heart this epiphany? Will you step into the arena with God's light that it might shine for others who need it? Will you allow yourself to be caught up in the wonder of joy and worship and giving? And having come to where the child is, will you go home a different way, allowing the light of Christ to transform you? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.